God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from the Lord. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So we listen to those two sets of scriptures, what all of y'all said, it encompassed all that. Let go, and all of the focus, which I love what you said, Ms. Brother is focused on Christ. Mm-hmm. Because Christ died, we become new creatures. We get, because he, he, he died for our sins. And so when we make Christ-centered, then it's easy to become new, uh, new creatures because what we talked about last week is, is we, we focus on him, then, and, and as long as we focus on him, we find. When we start focusing on us or other things, that's when we deter. Okay? So, Amen. So let's go to Colossians 4, 2, verses 2, because we left it off at 4.1, because 4.1 was really part of 3, okay? And let, um, read verse 2 for me, um, Daphne. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So he's, um, this is Paul talking to the Colossian people after he gave them all of the instructions and what to do and what not to do and how they should act and the uh, characteristics of being a new creature. Now he's saying be watchful and pray, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Ephesians 6 and 18. And I'll start at 17. It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray to the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And keep on praying for all the saints. 
So this is, a, we at the end of Ephesians, and he's doing the same thing he did at the end of Ephesians, he did at Colossians. To remind them after we I'm fussed at you and told you what you needed to do, you still need to pray and be watchful, right? Yeah. And, we, and he's saying being watchful um, because, you know, once if you stop watching, what happens is things creep up. Your flesh creep up, people creep up. So you have to watch and pray, right? Yeah. Let's go to Hebrews. 4, 15 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may um, receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And that's what we do when we pray. We approach the throne and ask for mercy and receive grace to help us during our time, our walk. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's go back to Colossians uh, 4 and 3. Um, read verses 3 through 4 for me, please. And pray for us, too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Keep on reading to Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So Paul, we know that this time Paul is in prison. Now when he says God may open a door, he's not talking about a physical door. He's talking about opportunity, okay? When God opens a door, they say, God, please open a window, open a door. It's asking an opportunity. And when he says um, that God may open the door for our message, give us an opportunity to do exactly what Sister Stephanie does all the time, evangelize and tell everybody about God's goodness and his word, about Jesus, that the message comes across. So even when he's incarcerated, He's getting the message across. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16 and um, 8. I mean, 16, yeah. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 through 9. But I will say, um, I will stay on the Ephesus until Pentecost. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. This is Paul talking. Um, so even when he's talking in Corinthians, he said, I'm going to stay here until Pentecost because I know there's an opportunity for me to do the work. Right? Everybody get what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, let's go to Acts. Acts 14 and 27. And what is the commonality of the scriptures that we're going to? Does anybody know what the, the common denominator is? The good news of Jesus Christ. Mm -mm. It's more. It's more simple than that. We went to Ephesians. We went to Corinthians. Who wrote those two books? Paul. Huh? Paul. Paul. It's simpler than what we, I'm not. It's not a trick question. 
We in Colossians. Who wrote Colossians? Paul. Okay. Just want to make sure we understand where we're going. So we're going to Acts 14 and 27, right? Mm -hmm. On arriving there, they gathered the church together. And so they're talking about Barabbas and Paul. They gathered the church together and reported all that God has done through, uh, through them and how he opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So God gave them an opportunity to open the door so the Gentiles can believe in salvation, in Christ and receive salvation. So that is the whole thing about opening the door. When somebody said opening the door, you have, that means that you have an opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. And so we should always find doors to open in order to give somebody the good news, okay? Now, the mystery, going back to um, Colossians 4, um, 3 through 4, is the mystery. There's something that is hidden. And what Paul was talking about is what happened, we didn't have an Old Testament, but what happened in the scriptures before manifesting now, anew. Because the whole, all the Old Testament talks about who? The coming of Christ. Yes, you can find Jesus all in that. And so now he's saying it's manifesting anew now. So the mystery is not a mystery no more because once you get saved and get salvation, that, that door opens and Christ comes in and you get to see him. Now, Paul was in prison, um, but he did not stop his ministry. So you see right then, he was still opening doors by writing these letters and still proclaiming, even though he was in prison for doing the very thing that he was doing. He wrote Colossians, Philippians, uh, Ephesians, and Philemon during his two imprisonments. Okay? Therefore, God's word will get out. No walls can keep it closed. So if you can write, you can tell about Jesus and you in prison, that means that he was he was chained and in prison. What is the excuse for us? Because he, he locked up. And so I love how God does things because when we walked in today, Sister Stephanie was talking about how she's been going evangelize to the man on the stairs. And we were talking, and the end part is talking about evangelism. So there are some other parts of evangelism that I wanted, the wrong ones that I wanted you to understand. There's experience-centered evangelism. It's inappropriate. It's self-centered and not God-centered. It's about your feelings. That's not evangelism. That's not, that's, it's, we're not talking about Christ how we feel. It's because we know for a fact who he is. Ego-focused evangelism. It's a feel-good type of Jesus um, um, evangelism. God on Jesus is going to fix all your problems. That's a lie. He fixes them, but you still got to go through stuff. You're not going to be rich. Them houses and many mansions is not now. He got a blessing with our name on it, but something, you got to go through something with, for the blessing. And it ain't always monetary. Everybody understand that? And experience. So you talk about your experience, and this is talking about high-pressure taxes, manipulation, to get somebody to be saved in salvation. You can't retain in ministry or somebody being saved by manipulating them or pressuring them into being saved. Because it doesn't last. Because people wake up eventually and say, huh, did I make this choice on my own? Or did somebody make me do this? That's not what God called us to do. But the right one we're supposed to do is in um, when he talks about pray that I might proclaim it clearly as I should. And in some um, versions it says ought to speak. 
evaluation um, evangelism, this is the right way. You ask God, how can I approach this person? How can I tell them about repentance? How I should speak? Paul said, pray for me so I can make sure that I do what God wants me to do. We go to Acts 20 and 4. Uh, 4. I would like to just speak about what you were saying um, about how Paul was in chains and yet he was still proclaiming the word of God. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to add to that. Not only was he in chains, but he was being tortured and, you know, just mistreated as well. But he still had the joy of the Lord and just never let any of the, you know, almost to death, beaten to death, stoned, everything, as well as thrown in prison just for proclaiming the word of God. And like you were saying, Stephanie has the boldness in Christ where she was unafraid to approach someone in the name of Jesus. You know, we don't have the threat of being thrown in jail at this time for our belief in Christ. So why can't we have that uh, faith, that, that fearless faith that, you know, if God is leading you to do something or to someone, you know, overcome our fears and have the faith and focus on the Holy Spirit and know that you're being led by the Spirit. Let's go. Instead of going to Acts 20 and 4, I mean 21. So y'all sometimes my handwriting is going to kill me. Acts 21. Acts 20 and 21. Acts 20 and 21. Well, nowadays kids don't get in trouble for their handwriting because they don't really like it. That's sad, but anyway. And you get that thing, you get one of these. Testifying, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message that we're supposed to be doing, and that's exactly what Paul did. Okay? So, we're supposed to solely proclaim repentance in the name of Jesus, and that's what Paul did. So, we pray that God gives us the words. Paul was asking that they pray for him. That he still, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's let's just be real about it. He ain't always have good days in prison. So he's he asking them to pray for him so he ought to speak and not let his flesh speak. Because he's going through a lot. Okay? Let's go to verse 5 in Colossians uh, 4. wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So outsiders is the unbelievers. Mm -hmm. And you need to have good sense when you go talk to unbelievers. Make the most of the opportunity. You don't want to go with anybody. Some people take Christianity and they start fussing at people and condemning them. That's not making the best of the opportunity. You have to approach the person in the way that they that you, you your spirit leads you that they would receive what you're saying. Everything is not an argument. That's right. You have to have good sense of what unbelievers. Now, some people you might have to have a debate with, but you have to be wise on who who you debating with and who you talking to and encouraging to. Okay. 
Let's go 1 Corinthians 5. And that's a huge top though. It should be 12 through 13. First Corinthians. First Corinthians 5. 12 through 13. And so Paul says this, and I like it. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not the judge of those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. So we're going to talk to outsiders. We have to be wise that we're not condemning. Exactly what I just said, not condemning them. And who are you to judge them? You're supposed to be telling them about Christ. Now, in the conversation, we're going to talk about it in a minute. You might have to give them a little salt. But you got to balance it out and be wise on how you talk to people. And if you don't know the word, you do you go you you ask God to how to guide them to get that person. But you gotta live you gotta live it first before you before you start talking and, and judging people. I think you shouldn't judge nobody anyway. First Thessalonians four and twelve. Miss <clears throat> Barbara, if I go too fast, let me know. But it should it should be listed on handout. And whoever gets there first, please start reading. First Thessalonians 4 and 12. Yes, which shouldn't be hard because it's, it's right at Colossians. Um, it's in the middle. Should I start at 11? Sure. sure. Okay. That you also aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. So let me explain to you what he's saying. Some Thessalonians, probably because of their idleness, were taking undue interest in other people's affairs, um, the note says. And so the Greeks in general thought that manual labor was degrading and fit only for slaves. Mm. But Christians took seriously the need for earning their own living but some of the Thessalonians, perhaps as a result of um, unbelief, um, returned to Christ. So they thought that they didn't have to work because Jesus was coming, so they was going to be lazy. But that's what he was talking about. But this shows right there that Paul's consistent. Focus on you, work, and give other people respect. Okay? Um, let's go back to Colossians 4 and 6. And I will read that. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. And I was alluding to that earlier. So grace, the definition to that is spiritual, wholesome, kind, and sensitive when it relates to this chapter. But the salt is also to be effective to tell the truth. Some, most of the time, you need to tell the truth all the time. Tell the truth. But how you tell somebody something is how you, how you deliver it is how people will receive it. But just because you're trying to be nice does not mean you, you don't be the person with salt. So sometimes you can put a little salt on something and it, it, don't, it don't mess up the taste. But you're still giving them what they need to hear. If they're dying, tell them they're dying. Okay? But you have to be effective on how you tell the truth. So you can still be nice, 
but you still got to put a little salt on that game so you'll they'll understand. Don't be so sensitive and gracious that you let another person fall because you don't want to hurt their feelings. So grace is spiritual, wholesome, kind, sensitive. Those are the adjectives that they use. But you still got to tell people the truth. But you can't be so forceful to the point, I mean, you can't put too much salt. What happens when you put too much salt on your food? Anybody? It don't taste right. So you kind of make, mix some salt with your sweet. Okay? Just a little bit. Enhance the flavor. Let's go to Luke 4 and 22. So what do we put down for salt? Be effective to tell the truth. Salt just, I mean, salt is basically just telling the truth, but you got to be effective with it. Okay? Yes. So Luke 4 and 22. And who wrote that book? Who was Luke? Luke was a doctor. Okay. A physician. All right. 4 and 20 said, all spoke well of him and were amazed of his gracious works that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked, and he talked about Jesus. And Jesus said, surely you will quote this proverbs, physician, heal thyself, do here in your hometown, stop there. So the description that they have for Jesus is what in 22? They were amazed on how gracious his words came from his lips. Now, if you go before the chapter 20, it says, Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the tenant and sat him down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened to him. So he did his preaching, but he was gracious when he was doing it. And so we're supposed to model ourselves after who? Jesus. After Christ, yeah, after Jesus. So he still was effective with what he said, but he also gave them grace. Um, 4 and 29, Ephesians 4 and 29. Miss Stephanie, can you read that for me? I find that every book right away and then as soon as I Ephesians go. is right before Colossians. Four and twenty-nine. Mm-hmm. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. See, we noticed last week, and in James, we keep talking about what's coming out of our mouths. Yes. Because sometimes you have good intentions, but what comes out your mouth come out the wrong way. I've had that problem in my life. Um, hey. I had a, I've had that problem a lot in my life that I meant good, but the tone and the diction of my mouth allowed, didn't allow for the person to receive exactly what I wanted to say. So I had too much salt in my delivery and not enough sweetness and grace. Amen. Thank God for somewhat deliverance. Still a work in progress. So Proverbs of 27 and 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy's multiple kisses. Let me say that again. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. He who full loads of honey 
but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. So right there in verse 7, I'm going to read that again. He who is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. So when we're talking about the salt, even though it's salty, they received it because they're hungry for the word. Everybody get it? Yes. Okay. I had to read that again because I read it real fast and it didn't, it wasn't sounding the way I wanted to, but it, 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 it delivered. And then I'm going to go to Psalms 12. One and reject the word from you from I don't think that, I don't I don't think that's what they're saying what is, I don't I guess I'm not understanding what you're saying so I want to know what again. a satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb let me go back to that so I can answer that I was looking for the right scripture let me go back give me one second that's a good question there sick soul that that is satisfied by the word mm -hmm. is missing something yeah. and it's missing God so since it's missing God there's a hunger there and even though the, the word is bitter I, I keep like you hearing y'all playing with bitter and sweet bitter and sweet mm -hmm. and salt is sweet the thing about it is the, the gospel is salt it ain't sweet and you keep saying tell people the word of God no if you go to chapter 1 that's the linchpin for the whole thing in Colossians the truth of the gospel, so to bear fruit. Well, the truth of the gospel is salt. The reason they beat Paul because he was doing salt, not because he was doing any sugar. Right. You know, and, and the door of opportunity, Paul didn't make the door himself. God opens the door for Paul, and the courage Paul has to have to continue to preach the gospel, because it's the power unto salvation, 
And we have to be bold and really wanting to preach the gospel and not be scared to try to figure out what's even. I think we spend too much time trying to psychologically figure out a way to present the gospel. Mm. Just present the gospel. It's going to offend the person. Yeah. It's supposed to. It's supposed Ain't no other way to say it but to say it. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you you be up here trying to figure out which part of the psychological way they on to bring it to them, you'll never say anything. You'll be like, I can't figure out what to say. But Paul's saying, in my stressful situation of being in prison and beaten, I, why did I get beat? For the gospel's sake. Why am I in prison? For the gospel's sake. Give me the courage to continue to finish this mission that I might win. Remember, I preached to a whole bunch of people, but I'm only going to win some. And that's where we got to get back to the gospel. Don't be so scared to offend because the gospel is offensive to a sinner. Mm -hmm. Okay, you make a sinner feel comfortable, you back to that scripture right there. Mm. they like, what I get gospel? You done made it sweet for me. You know? Wow. Um, it's in, in your study time, just go to Psalms 141 and 3. Um, because it's, it, it's my fingernails because I typing. It says, say Lord over your mouth, O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. And it's basically it's a plea to God that will keep you from speaking or desiring or doing what is evil. So just make sure that that's the reference that they had. So just you can read that in your own. Let's pick up with Colossians 7. 4 and 7. Okay, Colossians 4 and 7. Tychius will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your heart. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful no, and beloved... No, just, just oh, do, okay. do um, talk about... Um, Sorry. So start over again and just talk, just do this. Seven? Just seven. Okay. Tychius will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. You can do eight as well. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Okay, so um, his name means fortunate. And he's delivering the letter that letter to the Colossians. And he's ministered, he's ministered for, with Paul for many years. He's mentioned in Acts 20 and 4, 2 um, Timothy 4 and 12, and Titus 3 and 12. And here, what Paul is doing is giving his credentials, saying you can trust him. He's not a false teacher. He's a beloved brother, a faithful servant, and a fellow bond service, first slave. So it's kind of like, um, you know when, well, if you're not in the Baptist church, but if you leave one church and you go to another church, mm -hmm. you're supposed to get a letter from the pastor. Um, releasing you? Yeah, releasing okay. you. But it's also letting this other pastor know who you are. Gotcha. So it's basically saying, this person you can believe. Okay. okay? Um, and go ahead and go to verse 9. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Now, who knows who he? Who knows perhaps where we have heard from him before? We actually talked about that last week. Pastor brought it up last week. Keep on. So who was he in Philemon? What is that book about? 
a runaway slave? Correct. Who returned to his master was the basis for Paul's letter. Correct. And so he was the slave that he was rescued by faith, but was a runaway slave and removed by Christ, right? Mm -hmm. So that so he's coming with pronounce that name for me, I'm gonna mess it up. Onesimus? Onesimus is coming with Tychias. And he said they're gonna tell you everything's going on. So he's sending them together. And he's letting them know. So what does that mean in that sentence in nine? It says he's coming with only this our um our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. He's a fellow believer of you. He's one of you. He's mm -hmm. with you. And so um I don't I think it's he's one of you, right? right. He's, so um but he's renewed in Christ. So he so we and he gets introduced, he's saying, Hey, he's gonna come with you. So basically are we to deduce from that that his master that he Paul sent him back to is in Colossians? Um Yeah, because the, the, the story of Philemon is that he sends him back to his master. I don't absolutely know if he's in Colossians, but I know he's 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 around that area. Mm -hmm. I'm a double check for you. Because the note tells me to go to the introduction, but I really do think that he, because um, he, um, he he's preaching not only to Lysadia uh, and her policies, so mm -hmm. he's sending him back with him. So and I'm not going to assume, but he's got he's going back towards his master, so it's got to be around there. Yeah. Um, and let me double check something. Oh, it tells me to go to Philemon for the introduction. So that might be the answer. Hold on one second, because I don't like leaving a stone on time like that. It's one in ten. Okay. It's Philemon one in ten, but I'm. Uh, it's such a small book. I keep passing it in 1894. Um, let's go find out. We got time. It's only one page. So. It says, Paul wrote this letter to Philemon, a believer in Colossians. There you go. So, he was sending um, only his back to Colossians. That's why I say, when you say he's one of them, it doesn't imply, it implies that he's talking about, he's telling the Colossians people that only this is one of the people, he's one of your people. So, if you read in the context, he's sending them back because he got to go back to his master and to, you know, be a new creature. And that also goes back to what he said in three. Remember? Mm -hmm. Slaves, honor your masters, mm -hmm. and masters be kind to your slaves. Not be kind, but re respect your slaves. So his instructions for the church, then he has a specific instruction for Philemon, yep. who's the master. So, so he's going to get it twice. Yep. He's, this, the letter is personal, but the overall thing was uh, slave, go back to your master. And masters respect your slaves, and in specific, the story with Philemon and Onesimus mm -hmm. was that he's a Christian too. So he, so he's a Colossian believer. Mm -hmm. So he's sending him back with. So you know he got to have somebody with him. You know, okay? Because he's marked. Mm -hmm. So you just like if he was a runaway slave. Mm -hmm. But this way, he a runaway slave, but he coming back to his master. So he's telling, basically, in his letter, he's saying. He's reading it to everybody, but his master's going to absolutely hear this letter and say, hey, if I'm going to be right, i got to act right. So let's pick up on verse 10. Mm -hmm. Okay. Aristarchus, 
my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Stop. Just start. Just stop. Aristotle sends um, my fellow prisoner. He um, Aristotle was in prison with Paul. He's a Jewish believer. We talk about him in Acts 19 and 29, Acts 20 and 4, Acts 27 and 2. The bad thing is because he was associated with Paul, he was seized by a mob um, because of his association with Paul. And um, so he they they call it um, H, I'm going to just spell it out, A-I-C-H-M-A-L-O-T-A-S, one caught with a spear. Let's go to Acts 27 and 2. So he got in trouble. He was guilty by what? Association. God does things for a reason. Because think about it. Peter and them should have been arrested and hung just by association with Jesus. But but God does what he wants to do. So start um, 27 and 1 for me. Acts 27 and 1. And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in the ship of Adramathinum, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The so no, just this it mentions him. Okay. So he in prison with him, and he's a Macedonian for Thessalonian, in Nica, but you know this Thessalonian. So now you see that somebody was with Paul, right? Yeah. And he's getting to see how how it goes because they talk they mention him in the scripture. So now we're gonna go back to Colossians four um, ten b. Okay, and Mark the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Okay, so you you have to understand why he said that. Let's talk about John Mark. Most of the time they call him Mark, but they they reference him as John Mark. He deserted Paul and Barabbas when when the going got tough in Acts 13 and 13. And so here you, you see, this is where I believe you see Paul's human side. Barathus and Paul got into it over John Mark. And Barathus was like, well, let's take my cousin with us again. And Paul was like, no, nah, he ain't loyal. I ain't, I'm, not doing, I'm not taking him. So that's why Paul and Barathus fell out. They fell out because, you know, Barathus, that's his cousin. Okay. But Paul like, no, nah, I don't trust you. Your human side, where the grace at now? Paul ain't giving him no grace. Mm-hmm. Paul, like you deserted us, man. Police was coming. You just just left. You just gone. You just ghost. I'm being over dramatic, right, 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 right. but to put it in so you can see, he deserted them. But Bradley's like, no, that's my cousin. Why can't we take him with? Why would I take somebody with me that's gonna leave me? Mm-hmm. So, however, John, in the years going by, repented and became a new creature, and gained Paul's trust again. And that is why he says, um, you have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. 
He's no longer one of those false teachers. And they talk about that in Timothy 10, um, 2, 2 Timothy 4 and 11. So he told them that Mark come, he good people. Because of course people know what happened. This ain't no, this wasn't no secret that at one time Paul didn't like John Mark. Okay. And Barabbas and him went cool because of his cousin. Hold on just for a second for clarification sake. You mean Barnabas. Barnabas. Yeah. Oh, saying, not Barabbas. You, see, okay, you can't say Barabbas. Barabbas was the thief. Okay, I'm talking yeah. about Barnabas. Barnabas. But it, it, it yeah. wasn't spelled the same the way I see Barnabas spelled in other non-Christian sectors. Anyway, um, so they got into it. And so Barnabas was like, no, that's my cousin. And so there I see people make Paul such <coughs> superhuman. But Paul saying we're supposed to give people grace and all. He was not giving this man any grace. And that is the reason why Barnabas and Paul kind of split up. Because of Barnabas' cousin. But you can see the whole grace thing coming back. Because John Mark, Mark, whoever you want to call him at that point, became a new creature and gained Paul's trust again. He became a new creature and understood that you can't desert somebody that you're supposed to be with. This is a full-time job. Okay. Go ahead and go to the um, 11. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. So Jesus, Justice, which is also Joshua. We're not talking about our Jesus. Jesus was a common name back in, in the day. So Joshua, and it actually means saved, righteous Savior, Savior Righteous. And so we don't know a lot about him, but we just know that he was that he supported Paul, okay? And that um, he mentions all those people before. Um, uh, they are the only um, Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. So we know that Jesus Justice was a Jew as well. So he he supported him. We don't know a lot, but he was Jewish. He believed in um, Christ, and he supported him. Go ahead. And they have been a comfort to me. Go ahead. Epaphras, who was one of you, a servant of G Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. So as you can see, when he talked about uh, Ephraim, and he talked about Onus, he said the same thing, who was one of you. which And Ephraim is the founder of the Colossians church. He's the pastor, kind of like. And he's praying for his people because he remember he went to go tell Paul, hey, they listen to false te teachings, they um, all this all this stuff is happening. He's still praying for them. He's like he wants them to deliver and stand firm. So he wants to say, hey, give honor to your in your your pastor or whoever your leader. He's praying for you because he wants you to get this 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 good news, and he wants you to believe in Christ and not be double minded. Okay, go ahead. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Now, um, Laodicea and Hierapolis, um, they're not far from um, Colossae. Go ahead. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. Okay, so everybody know that we, um, that we talked about that a couple minutes ago. Luke, the, the writer of... Um, of um, Acts and of Luke, um, of Luke was a physician. He's a Gentile believer. And he's mentioned in two other places in the New Testament, Philemon 24 and I, I shouldn't, it shouldn't be 24 and 2. 
but he's mentioning Philemon and he's also uh, mentioning Timothy 4 and 11. So he's mentioned in the Bible twice, okay? I mean, I'm in the New Testament, other than the books that he read, written by name. And when I say by name, they actually say his name. And he, the, the name is actually Lucas, if you interpret it, okay? Now, I don't know what's up with Paul and these people, but um, Demas was in prison with Paul, and he ended up deserting him. And they say that um, Demas is Paul's Judas. And you can read that story in 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 10. So I'm trying to figure, let's go to 2 Timothy. I'm trying to figure out, <laughs> I ain't got to figure out, this is how I work to be in prison. And everybody ain't, everybody ain't got the, uh, the courage. The I was going to say something else, but thank you for saying that, because I was going to say something that I can't say. Um, to do this, the cojones. To do it, thank you. I got another word. <laughs> to do it. I mean, that's just the truth. So go to 2 Timothy um, 4, 9 through 10. And also, you, when people that were so bold in the world come to Christ, we, I was very bold in the world. I was became kind of passive and shy and take you know yeah. pull back too like you have to get in this word study this word and let that the word just begin to the holy spirit through the word begin to just give you the boldness and courage to you know but go it's forth not with the word in these circumstances it wasn't that easy it was in prison i know so everybody can't do jail but and still believe. led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but it, that means that you had to really be led by the Holy Spirit and not be just led by following Paul. Exactly. But everybody can't do jail. And they jail ain't like our jail. We put it in context. They jail ain't nothing. They wasn't getting three squares a day. They wasn't going out in the gym and had jobs in the laundry room and all other <laughs> stuff. They right. just, this, is, this is rough stuff. Go ahead, um, uh, Nancy. Second uh, Timothy four nine, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to De Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. So. <laughs> Oh boy said he said he said he loved the world more than he loved Christ and he gone. Everybody else was sent to go do something, but he gone. He went to Thessalonians and he's like, I'm done. And so he, he you know, they said, you know, you know what this, you know what the young folks say, you know, these people ain't loyal. And he loved him. He was with him for a long time, but he ended up deserting him. Now, um, let us see us. Go ahead and read. Go back to Colossians 4 and 15. Yep. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So, um, Laodicea, who knows where that is and who, and who, and who is that? 
Does anybody know what it is? Have you heard about that before? So let me give you a kind of thing. Um, um, Hippolytus is a town in Asia Minor, which is Turkey now. It was six miles away from Laodicea, which was 14 miles, 14 to 12 miles away from Colossae. Um, and it's a church that may be found by Paul three years day in, um, in um, Ephesians, in Ephesus, but, but probably not by Paul. But Lady Osea, um, it says the practice of the early church was to read Paul's letters aloud to a simple congregation. The letter from Lady Osea is probably not a letter by the, uh, the Syrians, rather it's likely one of the um, Lysinians were to lend to the Colossians. A letter that Paul originally went to Lady to the letter of sins. So what he's telling them to do is I'm send this letter from the letter I wrote to the Colossians and read them to Lady Osea and um, pronounce the other one for me. Uh, Laodicea and Hierapolis. And they have another one. Um, need, um, go back to um, give give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha uh -huh. and the church in her house. Okay. So we assume it's a person's house, right? Yeah. What he did is he wrote letters to them as well. And what he's wanting them to do is take this letter to them, let them read it. And he's assuming we don't have those letters. They wanted him. He also wanted them to take the letters that they got and have the Colossians listen to it as well. Okay. Everybody do what I'm saying? So he sent a letter. It's an open okay. letter. Okay. And he's saying everybody can um, dean for this. You know what I'm saying? Everybody. Yeah. Okay. So not only this, the sermon is not only for walking truth, but it's for who, everybody yeah. who can hear it. And then okay. so since these people just 12 miles away, mm -hmm. give them this letter. But I also sent them a letter and I'm asking them to yeah. send y'all the letter that I sent them. It's called a circular letter. A circular letter. Okay. Okay. Now, go ahead. Um, and when this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. Keep on. And say to Archippus, mm -hmm. see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. So Archippus is the son um, in Philemon. And so he's supposed to take um, the place of Ephaphus uh, because he's going to Rome. So he's going to be the, he's going to be the stand in pastor. He's going to Rome because Epaphras is in Colossae with this church. Right, but what I'm saying is, is Epaphras is going to leave to go to Rome. Okay. And that this other, this arch, Archippus, Archippus? Is, yes, is going to be um, the stand-in pastor while he's gone. And that's why he's saying, okay. see to it that you, that you complete your work that you have received in the Lord. And okay. they're saying that he's going to be the stand-in. Got he's it. got he's got some work to do. Okay. And the note states that it's probably the son of Philemon. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So, um, and then so let's read the last one, 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So this is a salutation, right? He had a greeting um at the be at the beginning, and this is a salutation. Tell me why he's telling him that he wrote it in his own hands. 
I would say, uh, did he, well, this was he, because it's not a stretch. It's really not a stretch. Yeah, did he, this book of Colossians, well, who was he talking, he was talking about false what? False teachers. False teachers. Yeah. So Paul saying, I wrote this letter. Okay. Receive what I'm saying. Okay. I wrote it in my own hands. Remember, I'm in prison. And this is not just some random mm -hmm. letter from somebody. Like, I really... No, he had to tell us that this, this was from him. Because, remember, you forgot in other places, they were sending out letters saying that this was for all and this was whatever. And, and falsifying things and having people do extreme things that was not part of the, the gospel. So Paul's saying, no, I wrote this. Not only did I write it, I'm sending two people you know, one person you know and one person is good, to let you know I wrote this. Yeah. And remember that uh remember my change remember i'm doing this for the gospel that i'm in prison because i'm giving i'm telling everybody about christ and it goes back to the theme of the chapter i mean of the book salvation is by grace through faith in an all um, sufficient christ not through human work or achievement and beware of false teachers so he wrote this book remember he's let's, let's talk about this he started out saying hey I'm, how y'all doing um, I hope y'all doing well. Your pastor told me uh, about what y'all was going through, giving them thanksgiving and prayer, and then he starts teaching. Right? Yeah. And so that was all in chapter one. He was like, oh, um, you know, let's talk about grace and how how good your pastor's been. And then we yeah. go in, in chapter one, we, he, he starts teaching. And then he keeps on teaching all the way until the end. And then he gives his final instructions, and he gives his final readings. And he also says, I'm going to send these people. And if I send these people, these people are not false teachers. And he's giving last instructions, and then he says, remember me. This is, this is what, this is, remember everything I just said. So you know how you give a speech. You tell them what you don't talk about. You tell them, and then remind them to focus back on what I was telling you, right? So basically he's saying, you know what? Remember I'm in prison. But I'm still doing God's work. And to remember, um, he just says, Grace be to you. But this is that 18 is all he's really saying is, is that I wrote this. I'm, and he reminded you earlier, I wrote this, I'm sending these to the people with the people I have. But the theme of Colossians is all about salvation. And it's all about Christ-centered evangelism. Nobody else, no work achievement, no so if anybody teach you different than what I just told you about in Colossians, they're wrong. Everybody get what I'm saying? So if they talking about the only way you can get the mysteries of life is if you uh, fast 20 times a day, Paul says, no, that is not how you get the mystery. The mystery becomes open when? Once you receive. I can't hear y'all. Yeah, once you receive Christ. Okay. I'm just interactive. It's not um, uh, um, just me speaking. So that's what he was talking about in Colossians. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Go ahead. And also because uh, people were trying to still mix in the law with the gospel and just like you saying, trying to make them adhere to the Jewish uh ways of doing things and trying to mix that in and that's what Paul was telling them is not touch not don't eat this don't do that 
that's not what we're preaching to you. Right. So his evangelism is about Christ. It's about This Christ. is a letter saying, hey, it's a letter to correct. But he didn't end just fussing. He said, this is who you should trust. This is what you should listen to. But follow these instructions. And all those instructions on how wives are supposed to act and all this other stuff is all incorporated in the book. But salvation has nothing to do with you. It's all about who you believe in. It's Christ. So he was like, because the Judaizers and um, can't remember their name right now, um, were making it extremists. And that is not what Christianity is. It, we make it more complicated than it actually is. I'm sorry? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I was just thinking about in that time, like the people were had to be very, very strong in their prayer and their their adherence to these letters because they didn't have these books floating around like we have. And you know, it was just so many ways people out here just being deceptive, people that didn't want the gospel the way to be, you know, to take on. So the Holy Spirit was just so powerful. It's powerful now, but we really don't take a hold to that power from the Spirit like they did in these days. Like, it seemed like because God is... It's gotten so much easier for us because we have the word written, but the spirit and the power of God has been watered down so much from that day to this. Well, you also got to look at the context, though. They didn't have an internet technology and telephone. Most of them couldn't read. So they had less distractions. They had distractions, but less distractions than we did. You get what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. I'm saying the same thing yeah. you're saying. Like we, but we, yeah, we don't really adhere, don't really take a hold to the power of God the way that that we, that we have access to, because we just like Demas, we caught up in the world more so than caught up in the spirit. And I mean, I'm talking speaking of myself. I. You know, just in the study and in just in the things that we go over, it helps me to see, you know, that I need to take hold to the power of God and His Word so much more than the power of this world and try to consume my mind and my thinking and what I do on a day to day basis. Mm. Amen. Amen. So, next week, we will have a comprehensive. Um, test on uh, Colossians. Okay? So from one, from the introduction to um, chapter four. Okay? Um, and then I think you're going to Joshua? I don't know. Okay. Is it going to be based on our handouts or? Um, handouts and the word. It's okay. really a short book, so we, it shouldn't be that much. Okay. So you don't know if we're going to Joshua? No. Um, I don't know exactly. I mean, when we go to Joshua, that'll be the Old Testament. I'm going to have with Joshua right now. Okay, I just need to know so I know when my schedule to do what I got to do. Okay. Uh, Miss Barbara, how you feel? What? <laughs> I want you to talk about more. Why, do you, why don't you think that? Why is it so different now? When, and it goes along with the scripture that you had questions about. I want you to develop that in your mind. 
with that proverb. Think about it. Why, why, why do we, why does it apparently seem that the Holy Spirit is not as strong as compared to what you think the church was back then? What do they have that we don't have? And I'm not talking about the internet. I'm talking about what is, what's going on, what was going on then that has not happened in America? I almost can answer it the opposite way. What do we have now that they didn't have? We have comfort. so much more. Comfort. Mm-hmm. Comfort. You're not being persecuted. Exactly. You have to remember the reason why when the, wherever there's persecution, that's where the Holy Spirit is strongest. Exactly. Where there's luxury and sitting back, you can sit here, air conditioning and learn. Yeah. You have to remember my brothers and sisters in China and the Far East. They meeting in caves still right. with perfect. one piece of the Bible yeah. and not even a trained pastor. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit has to give them because it's the hunger that drives the Holy Spirit, not the knowledge per se. So if you've got these people meeting in caves and, and really facing the fact that if they get caught, they're going to get killed. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. Right. We can study as much as we want, but because we're not being persecuted, we take it for granted. So we chase the world. So you chase the world, I chase the world. But 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 this is where we have to, the closest we get to persecution that we can inflict on ourselves is fasting, praying. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, four minutes into the prayer, my mind went somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, my mind drifts. Yeah. Because I'm, because I'm so comfortable. Because we so comfortable. You know. Absolutely. Because I'm so comfortable. So I want you to, I want you to particularly, since you were talking about that, yeah. kind of develop that. Okay. The difference. Mr. Butcher, you have to say? What a wonderful study. Yes. And it, it allows us to see that we are they. We can find ourselves in the people that have been outlined in scripture. Who am I? Am I the one who started out helping people with the gospel and fell so in love with the world that I stepped away? Am I the one that for those who are laboring in the gospel, they can count on me and that I'm going to be faithful? Do I have a testimony of carrying the gospel such that if someone sends the word of God by me, it will be accepted because people know my lifestyle? Difficulties um, because I have a family member very close to me who um, is a lesbian and has been with a lesbian for 30 years. And you were talking about sharing that scripture and things like that. And 
client's family is really a difficult situation because I think she already knows what the Bible says, even though she doesn't go to church or anything, but, um, and I've taken her to church and she enjoys it. But then like I had mentioned to Nancy, when, when you spoke on that being a, a abomination, mm -hmm. and that's true. And if she would came with me here that day, that's the truth. But and she was out of